The Beer and Pretzel Podcast and Trash Talk Podcast are part of the Buttwide, though, and Podfix Networks. Check them out to hear more content from other great podcasters. Hello, my name is Austin. And this is Travis. And we are Trash Talk Podcast, a spinoff show from the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. And this show is about uh, talking about movies, comic books, TV shows, and games all while having a drink. And I'm here with my creamsicle drink, and we are going to discuss, because we haven't done an episode in a while, we're going to be just discussing uh, general things we've been watching of January. So different movies, TV shows, and whatnot that we've been checking out and giving ourselves some recommendations and yourselves of some cool things that we've been checking out recently. In this episode, I'm also going to be discussing a comic I just finished by Scott Snyder at the end of the episode. And if we have time, I might do a game of the week as well. But always, we're going to start with real news and fake news. Travis, you haven't done this in a while, so let's see how you do. Okay. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, real news and fake news is you're going to read off four pieces of ridiculous news that all could possibly be fake, but only one is. I have to try to guess which one it is. Exactly. And because we've been recording a while, I think I have some good ones. So, Travis, first of all, do you know what a NFT is? I see that abbreviation all the time, but I can't remember it. That's fair. So, an NFT is a non-fudgeable token, and it's the next Bitcoin, essentially. And it's when artists or mostly just not artists can put a piece of work, be it good or just a shitty drawn on an online database and people can auction off this piece of art if then you own it if then over time it's supposed to grow in value if it once you own it it goes into a database saying that only you own this image oh so if anybody uses it you'd have rights to it yeah basically okay and Apparently, for some people, they've done very well selling them off, but definitely above my pay grade, and a lot of people have just wasted a lot of their own time just trying to sell off junk that no one buys. Yeah. It's all that thing. You get to know the market. Exactly, yeah. Like, I've personally, like, I mean, I've been on Reddit a couple times, so I know, like, uh, anime, like, people who do anime sketches or drawings or whatever, paintings, do really well. But then some people who do like random like american style or like even stick figure style or whatever which can be cool drawings or cool mm. comics but they don't always sell as good is it going to be the next dogecoin which is a thing for just a couple months and then just kind of fades away or is it going to be something that sticks around for a while like who the, knows yeah yeah but what we're going to be talking about today is the world's first nft show and you might be like okay Fair enough, it's kind of an interesting concept to like make a show about NFTs. No, it's not a show about NFTs, Travis. The show is an NFT. So it's a motion picture that you can buy and uh, then own the rights to. Yeah, basically. So okay. it's something that you purchase the NFT on their website, and then it comes with a live-action series, comics, and collectibles. And every level of the NFT ownership will endow different benefits with the top level allowing financial ownership of the entire series. But, I mean, like, so what, I mean, I know people have money, like, some, not us, but some people have enough money that they could spend it and not care. But, like, who's really going to buy 
a live action show that's probably not going to be very good if some <laughs> one person can buy it by yeah. themselves when <laughs> most shows are made by production companies for millions of dollars, billions of dollars, whatever it yep. costs. Um, like if you can single handedly buy it yourself, it's not going to be that good. Yeah. For it's so weird. I like wonder I could, if it's like a genius idea by like a filmmaker who's like, I can't get funding for my TV show. Instead of just trying to find a production company or a bunch of producers to give me some money, I'm going to find one motherfucker who's going to invest in NFT and that NFT is going to give him ownership. And then I'll be able to make my show. Yeah. But at that point, like, so first off one person owns it. And so either that one person keeps the right rights to it. And only one person in the world could watch that show for the rest of their life. Mm. Or they do what most movie companies do. And they try to sell it to online uh, viewing sites or, uh, movie theaters or whatever, probably not a movie theater, but it's a show. But anyway, they try to sell it to them, but then it just gets freaking, uh, what is that? Pirated. It just gets pirated and then people watch it for free anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't get where the motivation <laughs> is to actually do something like that. And again, what single person, unless they're trying to do this, like they sell it to like, I don't know, a dozen people, but then a dozen people own one show and it's just really awkward because they all think they have the rights to it and it's really stupid. Yeah. So can't defeat the purpose of an NFT, yeah. which, so I guess, does that mean only one person is going to be able to watch this show? Unless then? they sell it off. Like, yeah. unless they like sell the viewing rights to like Hulu, then only one person in the world would be able to watch it legally. Mr. Hulu would be able to watch it yeah. if you bought it. Yeah. Huh? So yeah, it, it's very weird. It's stupid. Um, I, I don't get it and I don't know why, but I mean, if, the, if the, I could understand, cause I've seen a lot of people who do like the animated GIF, like comics, like little short comic, but they're animated and they, like, oh, yeah. you, it's like a kind of like a little flip book picture thing. Huh? And those look kind of cool. I could understand something like that, but an actual like live action TV show would be stupid. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna be able to spend the money you want on it. Cause you can't, there's no budget for it and it's not gonna be very good. I feel like it's just another kind of gimmicky thing. It's like that. There was a movie made by Robert Rodriguez and I think starring John Malkovich. That was supposed to be a movie that you can't see for a hundred years. They made it and in a hundred years, they'll take it out of the vault and then people can see it. But at that point, everyone who is involved in the production will be dead. Will be dead. Um, but you know why that movie was made? Because it was sponsorship of a, I forget what kind, but it was like a whiskey or bourbon that ages over a hundred years. <laughs> So it's sponsored by them, and it turns out this movie is only like a short film that's like 15 minutes long. And it probably is just like a big advertisement for whatever alcoholic drink it is. Oh, yeah, I bet, yeah. So it, it won't be worth the money. I mean, you can, yeah, you buy a bottle of whiskey and you get your short film that comes with it as com mm. complimentary, but like, is it worth it? No. No, yeah. Like, it's Who, just gimmicky kind yeah, of things. Like. I don't, I don't even remember how old ago, but like even a 1990s TV commercial, would you really want to go get <laughs> get that with your like bottle of vodka that you buy off the shelf? Yeah, no, probably not. I that's, wouldn't care. That's only like whatever. It reminds me of the old days a long time ago when you would buy like cereal and it would come with like a video game inside. Yeah, which actually, I mean, would be fine if like I get my bourbon, I get my video game, like an okay video game. I'd be good with that. But a short film that's basically a TV commercial, not worth it. No, definitely not. Because who really wants to watch that? Number two, speaking of money and cashing in on that money, Real Steel is a movie that 
has an interesting premise, but I've not seen it. You've seen it, yeah. um, and you thought it was okay or bad, right? It had an okay story, mm. and it kind of didn't deliver on what it should have. Makes but sense. It had a bit of heart to it, so it was all right. Well, Disney Plus has officially greenlit the Real Steel series, not starring Hugh Jackman, though. Yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> I mean, I, I just saw this. We we you got Disney Plus again, I think, and I just saw. I believe it was uh, Catch That Kid. I believe it was. That's now a series. Yep. Which I was a movie I also saw, which was basically kids, um, like teenagers or like early twenties, and. They had like a racetrack of go-karts, so they had a surplus of go-karts, and they decided to rob a bank, and they used go-karts as their getaway vehicles. Not practical, no. not smart, because if you get shot, you're probably dead. Um, but, again, in the early 2000s or whenever it was produced, it was a fine movie, especially for mm-hmm. kids. But now they're coming out with a TV show on it, and it's like, that's one movie that doesn't need a TV show. Like, I don't need to know the whole backstory behind their lives. <laughs> I felt bad for the kids, like their mother was sick or something. They needed the money. I felt bad for the or maybe she was losing the racetrack. I forget what it was. <laughs> but, like, I, f- I felt for the kids, and then I watched them do a stupid heist, and I was like, okay, good for them. They did a good job, even though I don't think they got away with it. Um, I don't need a TV show about that. And the same thing with Real Steel. It was fine as a movie. I mean, I don't personally recommend it to anyone, but if they want to watch, I'm not going to stop them. Yeah. But like, I don't want a TV show. I don't want to know the whole backstory behind the guy who lost fights and was an alcoholic who wanted to redeem himself. I don't want to know that. I found that out in the movie done. I can go rewatch the movie if I want to see it again. Is he an alcoholic in the movie? Um, I wonder if they're probably going to skip that part in the Disney plus show. Then I only like they didn't, they kind of implied like he was always, mm. uh, he's like kind of cocky. He was always with a girl and he was like, he always wore sunglasses like somebody who's like hungover would do, but they didn't actually show him drinking. It okay, was, fair enough. It was like a PG or PG thirteen movie. Yeah, it's weird. These random properties they pick because like Real Steel at the time, I don't think it made a ton of money. And that show you mentioned, what was it called with the, the go karts? The movie Catch That Kid or something. Catch That Kid. I've never heard of it, so I'm sure it was like a maybe it was like a Disney Plus thing that came out for straight to TV. No, no it was actually a movie. Was it? Okay. I don't think it came out in theaters. I think it was straight to DVD because, again, it was pretty low budget. Yeah. But it was basically it was a regular, like, it was like a Home Alone style movie. Oh, just okay. lower budget. Sure. Very weird things to pick, though. Yeah. Huh. So excited for the... Um, no. No, you aren't. Okay. Number three, Leonardo DiCaprio, some news that came out, and this is kind of like TMZ gossipy news but kind of relates to movies so i figured i'd share it so leonardo caprio's ex-girlfriend and he has a history of only dating people that are 25 or younger once they hit 25 it's basically game over for this relationship as he gets older they stay the same age um she detailed the worst date of her life which was with leonardo DiCaprio. you would normally think hey that would probably be for any lucky lady the best night of their lives or whatnot. But no, not for her. Because, and trust, if you can put yourself in her shoes, I want you to tell me, is she overreacting or would you also think this was the worst date night of your life? He rented out a whole cinema and made me watch every single Star Wars movie while he ran around with his lightsaber pretending to fight bad guys. I could understand for a 25-year-old blonde from California, I can understand how she might not like that. But me personally, that'd be the best date ever because I'd start fighting with him. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. And if it's, if it's Leonardo DiCaprio, like, why not? Hells yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the guy literally rents out a movie theater for you guys to be all alone, do whatever. And yeah, he's having some fun. He's like enjoying himself playing with lightsabers. 
Like, let the guy live a little bit. I mean, <laughs> can you really expect a human being to be, or I mean, sorry, an actor to be in their persona that the the media shows on them? Sure. All, all the time. the time. Yep. I hate that about people. They're like, oh, he's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's going to be Leo DiCaprio when I meet him. And he's like, no, he's going to be a human because that's what he is. Exactly, yeah. If he wants to go fight lightsabers, yeah, he's got the money <laughs> to rent out a whole theater. But if he wants to go do that in a movie theater, let the guy do that. I know yeah. you probably shouldn't do it on a date. Like, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, for me personally, that would be a great date. Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. No, that's a good point, though, that a lot of people kind of um, uh, fetishize what an actor is like the cool, suave Leonardo DiCaprio. But yeah. in real life, he sounds like kind of a geek, a little bit of a nerd. So, and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Like you said, real human. Think, like, I mean, what was that last movie that we kind of hated, but he was in? Um, what was don't, it? Don't oh, look Don't Look Up. Yeah. yeah. He w- was very nerdy, and he played it very well, because I'm yeah. assuming he's probably a bit nerdy yeah. in his non, non-spotlight non life. Yeah, definitely. Because why not be? Yeah, no let your that. nerd, let your geek out a little bit. Let your geek out. Nowadays, it's cool to be a geek and a nerd. Yeah. So number four, fans, a couple of fans are suing Universal Studios oh, over Anna D. Armour's uh, absence from the film yesterday. So Anna D. Armour, who I'm pronouncing wrong, she was the Cuban girl from um, the newest James Bond movie. Oh, okay, I liked her. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome, and. She was in a movie called Yesterday, or she was going to be in a movie called Yesterday, and she was shown in the trailers. And it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of, like, not a joke that the internet, is, uh, like, go ape shit about this girl. Like, everyone jokes, like, that she is their girlfriend or wife. It's kind of a joke, oh. but it's based off fact that a lot of people really like this girl. Yeah. But anyway, so they saw the trailer yesterday. She's featured in the trailer when they went to go see the movie. She's not in it her scene or scenes were cut from the final product and they are suing universal over miss marketing. Oh, cause they all went there to see their pretend girlfriend. Yeah, basically. Oh, uh, again, this is why I hate people on the internet. <laughs> I mean, movie companies cut people all the time. Yeah, yeah. They don't normally cut one of their main stars. I mean, that's not as common unless the main star did something really stupid, like weeks before the production. They were, were, like, on MTZ, like, doing cocaine. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they do something like that, yeah, I can understand cutting the main actor. They normally don't, but it, they can't always guarantee that all the actors are going to be able to make Maybe she got COVID, and maybe she couldn't do all of her scenes. And they're like, well, if you can't do all your scenes, we can't put you in the movie. Yeah. Like, there's, there's so many circumstances. Maybe she was off giving birth. Who the hell knows? But I mean, there's just so many circumstances where you can't always be in every single movie that you're you're promoted in. And yeah, they probably should have cut her from the trailer if she wasn't going to be in the movie. But maybe that all happened before the final cut of the movie. Yeah, it probably was because usually a movie studio will send off the footage to a trailer cutting company and they'll cut a cool trailer for them. They probably just didn't finish the movie, sent all the footage over and they put her in it because she was supposed to be in it. And then the final product, they're like, this movie's too long. We need to cut some scenes. Unfortunately, she's not going to make it. Yeah. So do you think it's, uh, they have any right to do this or yeah. kind of bullshit? I mean, again, it's all based. I mean, the fans. All the fans. Uh... <laughs> They have no right to do it, but yeah. I know that people will do it because people are dickheads. That's fair enough. All right, Travis, let's go into which one is our fake piece of news and why. I know it's not the Leonardo DiCaprio one because I actually heard about that one already, and that was really awesome. Even though, you know, 
she didn't have a good time. Oh, well, not my problem. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Don't date Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Um. Uh, what are the other three? Real Steel TV show, NFT TV show, and yesterday cutting out um, Anna Diarmos and fans suing the company. Okay. Um, I don't know anything about the Anna Diarmos one. I haven't heard anything about the Real Steel one, but I could imagine it. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with the NFT movie because, I mean, I understand the artwork thing, but a movie seems too difficult for that concept. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Or TV show, whatever it is. Yeah. All right. And the fake piece of news, Travis, is indeed the Leonardo DiCaprio bit. What? I heard about that. Yes. It's been going around the internet, but it came from a fake source that posts a lot of fake funny news on their Twitter page. People took a screenshot of that. It's been passed around Facebook and other places like it was real. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all right then. That's unfortunate. Uh, kind of. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I'd still do a date like that. With yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool date. I don't know about watching every single Star Wars film because that's like, I don't know, 20 hours maybe? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if you have a whole theater, you can just run around the theater and quite literally play with lightsabers and not yeah, even really Wouldn't pay. that get old, though? Probably Like, after bit. an hour? Yeah. Well, you I mean, still again, got like 19 hours to go. That's fair. You're still like again, halfway through the first movie. It depends on how nerdy you are because some people will marathon the Star Wars or oh, Harry Potter or whatever. So it depends on the person. There's um, a lot of people now, anytime a new Marvel film comes out, they binge watch the whole series, which there's a lot of those fucking movies now. Yes. So like people, like, I guess they're going to just binge watch them for like days straight. But yeah, pretty soon they will be. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into our main topic of the week, which is what we've been watching January edition. I think we did this for like December, November, but basically we're going to talk about things that we normally would talk about on our at the movie segment, but we're going to go into more detail and talk about more things. We talk about some things that you've watched that I have not, some things that I've watched you haven't watched, and we're going to talk about some things that we've watched or been watching together um, some big TV shows that's out currently. So I guess let's start off with a thing from you. We'll go to me, and then we'll talk about a TV show, a big TV show that's on Disney Plus right now that we've been checking out recently, and it's almost at its conclusion. So Travis, what is the first thing you would like to talk about today? I think you introduced me to this, actually. It's uh, Jeff Goldblum, (laughs) The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched the entire first season finally because really? I only saw one episode of it that you guys showed me before. And I think we saw two of the second season, yep. two or three. And I watched about halfway through that now. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I find the show very entertaining but odd. It Be- is. Because, like, it's per episode. They're all different. They've all got a different subject to them. And it's, uh, I don't even it's basically, like, what what Jeff Goldblum thinks of this certain subject. So again, one's like coffee, mm. one's something else. But some of them are sort of, sort of normal. So one of them was like campers or RVs. And it was a very normal episode. And overall, Jeff Goldblum acted very normal. <laughs> Next episode, it's diamonds. And he gets yes. a grill. Yes, I remember that when he gets the grill. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, how did we go from here to here? <laughs> Yeah, some episodes are more zany than others. Yeah. It depends on his mood because he's a strange man. And also, I think it partially depends on the subject as well. Yeah, some of subjects like RVs, he probably doesn't that much care about, but he wants to talk about them because they're trendy. But then other subjects he actually gives a crap about, like diamonds or uh, coffee or whatever it was. And he actually like he puts more effort into it. 
So, so I guess I'll ask you this question. What episode have you been enjoying the most so far? And what is a subject you would like to see Jeff Goldblum fangirl about in the future? Ooh. Um, our- How about just because we're talking about Jeff Goldblum explains NFTs. Oh, <laughs> that So watching him do the video game one was hard because he was dead he didn't know crap about any sort of video yeah, game he was out of his element he was very much out of his element so i think <laughs> nfts would go as poorly as that did it'd be funny but it'd go very poorly yeah so i'm not sure we should have him do that one but we'll keep that in the books was there an episode where they did or am i imagine i might be confusing it with that hawkeye episode or two where jeff goldblum went to a larp convention he did. Oh, he did. He did. Uh, but that which, wasn't a whole episode. No, it was part of, oh, what was it? Oh, it was the video game one. It was the video game one because he equivalented LARPing to live to real life video game. Oh, Because okay. there's a bunch of video games based in fantasy settings. Yeah. So, yeah, that was part of that huh. episode, which he still wasn't very good at, even though he's an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what has been your favorite episode so far? Oh, there's a bunch of good ones. There was a bunch of good ones. Yeah. Um, I think I either have to go swimming pools because he actually went to NASA. Yeah. And actually jumped in the big their big tank pool that they use for zero gravity simulation. That one was pretty good. And uh, what was it? I think it was the one we watched together. It was like the magic one? Not. Oh yeah, no magic. magic. Yeah. Yeah. That one was pretty good because he got really into like he got really in depth with it and actually gave a crap about it. Mm. So those two were pretty good. The hardest one to watch was probably at least the early parts of the video game episode. And yeah, I think that was it. Oh, actually also the ice cream one. I liked a little bit mainly because he came to Vermont where we live. Oh, that's true. He did. He went to Ben Jerry's. Yep. Yeah. If you look out the window, there was actually a Casella truck where your dad works. Oh, really? Yeah. And where you work, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a garbage truck like out the window. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Fun. Maybe you guys have worked on that same truck that Jeff no. Goldblum was somewhat close to. It was in Burlington. Oh, that's fair. All right. So I've been watching a ton of movies. My New Year's resolution is to be uh, watching at least one movie a day or two if possible. And I've actually been on like a three or four day streak of watching two movies a day. So I have a bunch of stuff to talk about, except I'm going to try to keep it to the more interesting movies. And... Um, I'll probably talk briefly about each one. So this is one that's on Netflix. It just came out recently, and I think you would like it. It's called The House, and it's a stop-motion movie that is told anthology style like Love, Death, and Robots. So it's three stories with the central theme of The House. Each one features the same house, but different characters, different setting, a little bit different in terms of its animation, even though it's stop-motion. Because um, the last story, it features... Just, I think, cats. Like, they're humanoid cats. Um, the second story features other animals. The main character is a mouse who's a salesperson who's trying to sell off the house to a bunch of cockroaches and different uh, insect creatures. And the first one features actual human characters. Yeah. But it's really, it's really good. It's kind of... Stop motion allows pretty much any animation to be go off a little creepy. And it yeah. does. And it's not... A, it's not a horror movie or anything like that, but every story and every theme has elements that are a little bit bizarre or creepy, and the stop motion helps with that. And each story is very well told, but what's interesting about it is that each main character of every 
section has a very clear defined goal that usually relates to the house itself. Uh, the second character, he wants to sell off the house more than anything. Yep. Uh, the third character, the cat woman, she owns this really like rundown house and there's a flood coming in. The whole world around her is starting to like the water gets closer and closer to this house and she is supposed to be a landlord. All she wants is to make this house into the best apartment building ever, but she only has two tenants, both of which don't pay her on time ever. And she only has got two people left because everyone else left because they know that the flood eventually is going to take over the house. In the first one, it's a family that live in a, uh, a really shitty small house, get invited to live for free in this gigantic mansion, the house, and they get whatever they want. But the little girl, all she wants to do is go back to her normal home because her parents are being like corrupted by Greed like, and greed and everything. Yeah, they're starting to wear clothes that they think makes them look rich and everything, but they look like fools. It's like that old Victorian style where we were really like uh, dresses that go really far out yep. and they're like really dorky headdresses and everything. Um, but every character has a very clear defined goal, but none of them get what they want, hmm. which is kind of interesting. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the story ends on a low point. They might get something else that they wanted that didn't think was what they needed. Okay. But yeah, the house, very good um, uh, movie and it's an anthology. So you get three stories. Each one are about half hour each uh, hour and a half in total. And I just like stop motion in general. And I kind of like after we saw love, death and robots, um, I kind of like the idea of more movies and stuff told in short film style or even longer short film style, but they have a central theme. Yeah. Which I mean, really works. It sounds like for that show, but definitely for like Love, Death, and Robots, where it was one of those three concepts, and each story followed that idea, but then they took it in their complete own direction. Yeah, really and cool. this is a movie, though. Uh, yeah. This is, yeah, hour and a half movie. But yeah, The House is my recommendation. All right, let's talk about The Book of Boba Fett, which is a spinoff to The Mandalorian Season 2. But in what some ways you can call this Mandalorian uh, season 2.5. Uh, so the show hasn't ended yet, but we are on episode five out of like six or seven, whatever episodes they're planning on doing. Um, they normally do like seven or eight on these new yeah. Disney plus shows. I believe this is going to be only a six episode season. Unfortunately. So we're just getting one more. episode. Yeah. That's going to be kind of suck. It's annoying. Cause they want to with each of these, they want to tell like a longer story. Yeah. Because I think their goal is like, oh, we want to take what we can do with a movie, but make it over a longer period of time. But, like, the seasons aren't even that long. They're not that long. And for the story they're trying to tell, I get why they're such big budget, because they put a lot of detail in it. They go way more in depth. We've seen a lot more alien races. We've seen a lot more of, like, the weapons, mm. different weapons they use and stuff. Vehicles. We've seen a lot more vehicles. Definitely. Um, and the houses look more detailed and they just look fleshed out and it, it's really nice, but they're spending all their budget on that and not as much on like, I guess maybe, well, they're still paying the actors quite a bit, but not as much to out over time because like oh, they're paying, sure. they're paying the actors for six episodes when they kind of need 10. Yeah, definitely. Especially with this uh, season, because it's very much a stretched out story. Not a ton has been happening. We've been learning more about Boba Fett's past, what's going on now with him currently, but if it's true that there's only going to be one more episode, I don't see how this is going to like wrap up very well. well. I feel like the most recent Disney Plus shows, like 
they've had like a story going. It's been like the last episode has it's like a really big drop. They're like, oh, we have to like cash in on every story thread right now with this one single episode. And sometimes this worked pretty good. Sometimes it's not so good. Kinda, yeah. I mean, it worked well with like the Mandalorian. I think it worked fine. It did, yeah. Well, like for their their Marvel shows, it hasn't worked great. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Loki's uh, season finale, even though I really liked that show in general. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, it was a good ending, but it was too rushed and it was too compacted. Yeah. They definitely needed like three more episodes. It's like almost like they were scheduled to make eight episodes. If it may be like COVID delayed that and they had to wrap it up early, but I don't think it was the case for this because I think this was filmed after the lockdown. Yeah. But, um, I guess uh, let's talk briefly about both that we're going to talk about in the future some more. But uh, something I'll say, go off what you were saying, terrific. You can knock, because I think the storytelling in this is not as good as The Mandalorian. You can knock that, but something that is incredible is the work they've done with the animatronics, the costume designs of the aliens, or even the people, because there's some people with, like, cybernetic parts to them, or even, like, special cool armor and different weapons or different designs for the speeders. Um, and I feel like all of that, especially the monster and alien designs, have been incredible. They have, they've looked really nice, even though I think something t- probably due to budget or maybe they haven't used a lot of color, especially for the big monsters. Mm. They're all gray. Like yeah. everyone I've seen is gray or black, which not a terrible thing because they still have a lot of detail to them, but it's like, it is not v- vibrant. It's like sure. a sandy desert, which is tan, of course, because sand. And then you get a gray monster, a gray sandworm in it. And it's just like, okay. They don't look that different. It just got teeth. Yeah. No, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I pro- I assume that's just because they're trying to match it to the setting that Tatooine's supposed to be kind of like, it's a dry kind of, uh, it's a backwater planet and whatnot. But yeah, I get what you're saying. There could be more variety to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, something I'll ask you is a lot of people are saying that at least for the beginning part of the season, something they really, really liked was how the show has handled the Tusken Raiders. Because with the Tuscan Raiders, normally they've always been seen as raiders and just barbarians, uh, things to get shot at, or their things are shooting at people because they're just mindless, raging barbarians. And this, it kind of shines a light on them that they have their own way, their own culture, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're just born bad. It's just they have a way of living as they take in Boba Fett and train him, and he actually works alongside them with a couple episodes. Even though it doesn't really help the um, ongoing plot, his backstory with Tuscan Raiders, what did you think about that? I think it's like a three-episode mini-arc. Yeah. I kind of would have liked it if they just made a show about the Tuscan Raiders. Because mm. <laughs> I think mixing in with Boba Fett and just being like, oh, Boba Fett's their family now. And it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then they just all instantly die. And they're like, well, that story ended <laughs> abruptly. And tragically, yeah, and it wasn't worth our time. Not really. Because it was like they, they were doing this really cool buildup. They're like, okay, he's a prisoner. He escapes. He saves them. He kind of becomes like a like a brethren to them. And then he trains them to fight. And they're going to be all real badass. But then, even though he trains them to be all real badass, as soon as he turns his back and like leaves for a night, they're all dead. Yep. No one survives. Which is weird, because it's like only with him they could survive. Yeah. 
as soon as they're on their own, they're dead. Yeah. Even though he taught them how to use blasters, he taught them how to use like throwing spears. Like he taught them a lot of good killing techniques, but they're just somehow useless when he's not around. I guess so. Yeah. Again, I wish they'd just done like a Tusken Raiders thing or just made the whole show about him living with the Tusken Raiders and just brought that on till the end of the season. Like something Mm. like that. I don't like how they did what they did, but it was kind of a cool concept to see the Tusken Raiders in a different light. And also to see how they're modernizing because originally they lived it on the lived on this sandy planet, mostly alone out in the desert and they had to fend for themselves. They had to fight monsters, but now civilization is popping up around them. There's a train running through their front yard because the train has to get where it's going, but they don't like it being there. This is new technology. They're not used to it. So now they have to deal with that. Yep. And that's kind of cool seeing them adapt to their new environment. I really like that. And it's, he helps them uh, kind of catch up with this technology by training them how to use speeders, speeders and, and stuff like that. Blasters. Yeah. I think they already had, didn't they not already have blasters? They had like the classic, like what we would be equivalent would be a musket, which okay. is like a single shot and it's done until you reload it, which takes half an hour. They had the classic blasters, mm. like a single shot rifle. That's okay. what that was their blasters. They didn't have like the semi-automatic or fully automatic, whatever the new most most new and better blaster is. Makes sense, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about this in a future episode where we discuss this and Peacemaker more because I think we'd like to do an episode reviewing both of them. But the fifth episode, most recent episode, everyone's saying is the best episode so far, well, and they're <laughs> largely right. But unfortunately, it does not feature Boba Fett. Yeah. Which was kind of my biggest downfall with it. It is an amazing episode. It is. And I think in its own show, a.k.a. The Mandalorian, it would be great. But the fact that they made it, and it kind of feels like a filler episode. It does, like, yeah. I, again, I, I used to watch a lot of anime. It's like, or I still kind of do. But they do some filler episodes, but they do it in, like, when they get to their 50th episode, they're like, okay, let's do a filler episode at the... 27th episode or whatever because we just want to fill a little bit of space in a six episode show <laughs> you shouldn't need a filler episode definitely yeah 100 percent. yeah it's a good episode but when you only have six episodes what are you doing with a filler episode maybe with 10 episodes but not six i mean like even again anime that i watch that have 13 episodes normally don't have a filler episode because mm-hmm. they have to tell a story in 13 episodes which can be difficult oh definitely yeah especially if you have a long story to tell yeah um and a lot of animes are 20 episodes or more so only 13 actually depends a lot of on 13. the content oh really yeah oh so i know that for for lower budget ones the higher budgets are like 24 and then the big ones are over a thousand jesus but but i'm just like so for some of them for i mean for a lot of them like they in 13 episodes and a show that's only six definitely shouldn't have one but even 13 episodes it's tough to put a filler episode in yeah and definitely the fact that this kind of filler episode didn't fit the vibe. It was just the Mandalorian going off and doing his own. It was like showing us what he's doing now that he's not like, uh, save Grogu. Yeah. With Grogu saving Grogu or whatever. It was like, yeah, it's cool. I want to know about that, but make that the first episode of Mandalorian season two. Three. Don't three, whatever season three. Don't make that the filler episode in a six episode Boba Fett show. Do you think by them putting that there and so far everyone's saying this is the best episode of the series, do you think that further weakens the quality of the show? Even if it has a great episode, it's a great episode that 
doesn't really belong there. And if it's so much better than the other Mandalorian, the Bo- uh, Boba Fett, the main star of the show, yeah, doesn't it weaken the show? It it kind of does. See, my my thing with Boba Fett, I think no matter what the first season's going to be crap. It started off bad and it didn't get better. Yeah. Like, I think even when they do the final episode, which will have some good action scenes to it and we'll have maybe a bit more story thrown in really quickly. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good show, but if it gets a second season, I think this is a good buildup to a further show. If they want to do a second and third season, mm. because by that point he will be essentially job of the hut. He will be a good crime Lord and he'll have backing and he'll have influence right now. He's just, he's making a name for himself. Yeah. So I think it's good buildup to a show but it's not a good show for like the first season. Yeah. So I think that maybe possibly this whole filler episode thing was to save it. Yeah, no, that's definitely a fair point. Yeah. To give kind of a spark to the energy to have a really, really good episode. And we'll talk about this more on its own episode, but that beginning sequence when the Mandalorian goes into what looks like a slaughterhouse to get his bounty. Yeah. Oh my God. That was such a good scene. Oh, so good. And he Actually, like there cuts was a, a guy in half. It's oh my god, cuts a so guy good. in table in half, and he wields the dark saber for like a good two minutes. Yeah, uh, it's really good. No, I, I can't wait for season three of The Mandalorian, but <laughs> but not as much for season two of Boba Fett. No, I think again, I think this is good buildup, and I think if they do a season two, I think it will be on a good starting point. Wherever this show ends, which I'm assuming is going to be some sort of battle with the uh, the Pikes, I think wherever this show ends will be a good setup to a season two. But this season in itself isn't worth watching. Yeah, it's worth watching, but it's not necessarily good. Or at least yeah. great. All right, yeah, it is It is worth a watch, but it's not worth a second watch. Like, I yeah. wouldn't rewatch. Especially I'll, for Star Wars fans. Yeah, I'll rewatch The Mandalorian any day of the week, mm. but I won't. I don't want to rewatch this after. No, now. definitely not. If anything, I'll rewatch the fifth episode. Yeah, just the fifth yeah. over and over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put that on repeat, call it good. All right, Travis, whatever things have you been checking out recently? Ooh, um, so I finally finished the second season of Doom Patrol and started the third. There's a third season already? Jeez, I'm falling behind. Yep. It's already been out? Yeah, it's it's completed. It's done. The third season? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think it finished wow. a week, two weeks ago, maybe. I can't remember okay. when. Not too long ago. But yeah, it's finished. Um, Which, I mean, I've only made it a couple episodes in, but it looks like it's going to get really, really, really weird. Nice. But that's a good thing for this show because oh, this, definitely. this show's weirdness is what sets it off or mm. sets it apart from like everything, even like Peacemaker, for example. Yeah. Like there's completely different show, but in its own right, it's a good show. But second season, it, it felt like it was going off the rails at times. Mm. And I was like, okay, I don't fully understand what's going on, which kind of happened in the first season a couple times too. But this, I was like, I don't really understand. And this was a shorter one. I think the first season was like 13 or so episodes. I think so, And yeah. the third season's like 13 or so. This was only like 10. Mm. Eight or 10. I can't remember which. So it was a shorter season. But, of course, this show doesn't follow the same logic that Disney Plus does. It's not a continuous story. It's kind of each episode's a bit of like its own thing. Because there's yeah. almost a new bad guy each and every episode. Or sometimes there's a new bad guy for two episodes. Yep. But then by the time the second episode's done with that bad guy... They're not in it anymore, or Which, they're in jail. There's certain that used to be more of a popular thing with TV shows, especially yeah. superhero shows. But nowadays, it's going to Disney Plus of like one extended story over time. But if all these shows so far are like super rushed and like 
they don't really tell the story they want to tell as well. Yeah. I definitely prefer this short episode format of like telling a mini arc over a couple episodes and going on to a different story while also telling a larger story over the entire season that's just yeah. kind of thrown in bits and pieces on every episode. Yeah, because generally, at least for whatever the first season was, they had a main villain throughout it. This one, kind of not so much a little bit, but it was mainly about character development. So we learned more. Well, we kind of know most about the robot man, uh, Brendan Fraser, I think. His name yeah. Is. Yeah. We know a lot about him, but we got to hear a bit more about like, we got to meet his daughter and find out more about her. Um, we got to learn more about the, uh, what's his, the guy who's got radiation. Uh, can't remember his name. I'm terrible with names. <laughs> uh, is the guy whose face is like bandaged Covered, up. Yeah. Uh, it's not negative man or is it? I don't remember. No, Negative Man was the bad guy from the first season. I thought that was Mr. Nobody. Oh, that was Mr. Nobody. Okay, so maybe he is Negative Man. Yeah. Because he's got negative energy spirit. Could be Negative Man. Don't know. <laughs> uh, but that guy, mm. uh, the, the the pilot, um, we got to meet his family, and we got to learn about them, and we got to dive even deeper into uh, Jane's mind, the one who's got like Ooh. 50 personalities. That's cool. So we got we got to meet a couple extra personalities, and we got to find out more about them. Um, we got to find out more about the the doctor and his daughter. That's got really epic magical powers, but also really scary. Is that the character that has like a monkey face? A bit, yeah. She's got a bit of a monkey face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we didn't so much learn about what her, Rita, her name is, the the blob woman. Yep. Not so much about her, but she did get some character development throughout the season. Okay, that's cool. So second season is more about uh, further developing the characters. What about yeah. Cyborg? Uh, he had a story arc. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Makes sense. But how is uh, the third season so far? Uh, I, like I said, I'm only two episodes in, but like, so I watched what they, they showed as like their teaser trailer for it. And that looked amazing from all the characters mm-hmm. I show, but starting off, not much has really happened so far. Sure. And season two, uh, compared to the first season. Oh, better. Really? It is better. Huh. Yeah. Our friend Maya also said the same thing. Yeah. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I love season one, mm. but like, some of the stuff, some of the wacky stuff that <laughs> happens in the second season. Uh, for example, one thing is spaceships and people from outer space come in. Huh. But they're humans. Okay. Um, so that's part of the story now. And they're going to further the story along with that, hopefully. Um, and also uh, meeting some of their families, like uh, Negative Man's family and stuff, mm-hmm. and hearing their part of their story. Because basically they're they all thought he either died or was taken away by the government when he got radiation poisoning. Yep. Um, now they've met him and they find out he's still alive and they have to deal with that. Oh, so. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to have to definitely check that out. So oh, I do recommend strong recommendation for you for season two. And at least for the start or of from what I can three. see season three, probably. Huh. Oh, geez. I need to get back into, it. I didn't know season three was out already. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So some other things I've been watching recently, I've been mostly watching movies. I watched a movie with Kristen Stewart called Underwater, uh, which was on HBO Max. I believe I saw in the last day it was going to be on. And then as of this new month, uh, I think it left. But it's kind of interesting because it's essentially alien underwater. 
Um, okay, you told me about this one. Yeah, it was on my watch list. Um, it's pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty solid. Uh, it's basically there is basically a Wayland Yutani like company that's underwater. That's like a drill company, and something happens that pipes explode and the place starts over flooding. And there's a small group of people that survived. They are trying to get to another base that's underwater to get into some pods that will bring them up to the surface and survive. What they don't know, though, is that there are some underwater creatures that have never been seen before. They act kind of, of as the aliens of underwater. And there's also, without going to too much into it, let's say there is a alien queen of sorts, if we're comparing it to aliens. So there's an overall boss for the aliens, like a, kind a of, big yeah. bad guy. Yeah, definitely. I think they call it the Leviathan. And it's a pretty interesting movie. Unfortunately, I think the storytelling and writing is doesn't live up to the production value because the production value is incredible. Yeah. Um, sometimes I slander CGI and whatnot, but CGI, when it's used right, is an incredible tool. And in this, you don't notice the CGI as much as like in Avatar. Even though Avatar was revolutionary at the time, if you go back and watch it now, it's obvious it's... Uh, CGI and green screen because how bright it is. But underwater, where it's mostly dark, they mix in practical locations of like the broken down pipes and uh, different pods and stations they go into with uh, CGI for, of course, the water and stuff. And yep. it looks incredible and very creepy and dark. Mm. And you see a lot of POV from the characters as they're looking around. They're underwater. You're inside their, like, uh, their helmets. Yep. And it's definitely very creepy. And it looks very, very realistic as as if there was an actual underwater station, which, which there could be in real life. I don't know. But it's like deep, deep underwater. Okay. So this is like uh, kind of 20,000 leagues under the sea deep. Yeah, basically, yeah. Okay. And is this like an alien planet or is this like supposed to be Earth? I No, it's supposed to be Earth. Okay. And then like the government covers it up. At the end, there's like a the end credits is like a montage of like newspaper articles of like the company, like some people survived, but they don't allow anyone to talk to them and no one knows about the aliens. They just cover the whole thing up and everything. Okay. Uh, so it's definitely the Wayland Utani company. It yeah. definitely has a ton of inspiration from, from aliens, yeah. alien. Um, and my comic of the week, which I'll be talking about later, which is right here called the wake is also very close. I don't know if underwater came after and borrowed influences, but the wake is very similar. Okay. Um, but yeah, Underwater is pretty good. Um, and I also watched a movie called The Bat. It was okay. It's pretty decent. It's like a 1960 movie with Vincent Price where it's kind of a spooky house that a murder mystery author moves into. And there's someone called The Bat who is a serial killer who has like really sharp talons and he like just tears out people's throats. And okay. basically this house is is attacked and she and her maids are constantly getting attacked by this bat person and like detectives comes in um a, a doctor comes in and everyone has different uh, morals and basically what they're trying to get is inside the house somewhere there's a hidden vault with like a shit ton of money i forget how much it is it's like a million dollars which back then was probably like five million dollars yeah um but it's kind of like a a murder mystery slasher film uh it's pretty good. And so is this serial killer trying to kill them or is he trying to get to the vault? He's getting to the vault, but doing so he has to kill some people. Okay. So he's not actual serial. He's got motive. He's like a robber, but he's just 
He is, but he's based off a character, the Bat, who has been a serial killer. But I'm pretty sure this version is just like a copycat. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but he's basically, he kind of, he has like kind of like a face uh, covering. He's got like his fedora hat and like a normal suit. He just kind of looks like like a detective cop kind of, but his face is covered up and he has like these really sharp claws. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It'd be a pretty dope outfit. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's a good premise and it's executed pretty well. It's kind of has that like 1960s, like, or maybe it was seventies, like corniness to it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but overall it's a pretty good movie. Uh, let's talk about something we've both been watching, which is peacemaker. Ooh. Yeah. That's another uh, DC comic show that's began a lot of acclaim uh, with Doom Patrol. Um, but yeah, Peacemaker, uh, I think it I think it has a higher budget than Doom Patrol. But Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got, um, what's his name? John Cena. John Cena. You're yeah. going to have a higher budget. Um, so what's interesting about this show is that very raunchy and it takes the same humor style from the Suicide Squad. Uh, director James Gunn was, after success of the movie, uh, the studio was like, if you were to make a TV show off one of these characters, which one would you make? And he said, Peacemaker. They were like, why? Because he said the rest of the characters kind of got their own little backstories, but the Peacemaker character is one that we got the least amount of information about. So oh, that's, that's why he wanted to make it. Because yeah. I was talking to our friend uh, Jose, and I was like, there's a new Peacemaker show. It's really good. You got to check it out. And he's like, yeah, but like I saw him in the movie and like, he was not my favorite part of that movie. And I guess that's fair, but if you got to go into the mindset that he was a character that got the least amount of information about him in this one, they get to expand on an interesting character that wasn't given enough uh, backstory. He is an interesting character, but I also understand why Jose might not like him because he's a bit racist. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So or his father, at least. No, he is too. I mean, but yeah. again, due to his father's upbringing, partially. Sure. I mean, he's trying to change. He's trying to be more human, but like he's lived his whole life in this racist format mm. so he's kind of stuck that way um i love the show um i do find his backstory interesting but my biggest thing with the show and why i like it so much is the way it feels a bit like kick-ass have you ever seen that yes I have. and that's basically where uh, it was like if you and me just became superheroes and probably screwed up because if you just become a superhero out of nowhere you're probably going to screw something up mm. um but they try to save people and some of them actually kill people. Some of them don't, but this is kind of like that as to where like one guy doesn't have superpower of the superhero people. Like one guy doesn't, and that's uh vigilante or whatever. Yep. And peacemaker has powers. Like he's like, a bit super strong, but he's not like, he's not like Superman, super strong. He's no. just mildly super strong. Um, and he's got his helmet, but that's really it for it, powers. Yeah, he's got his helmet different helmets that do different things like a sonic blast or whatever. So overall, these guys aren't particularly like badass, badass, mm. but they have to go up at least from what I've seen so far up against like alien races. Like, so it's like if you and me in our kick-ass suits, we're going up against actual like aliens who are trying to take over the world. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why I really like it. Yeah. I it's, agree. It's a kind of more down to earth. Mm. Um, while also having kind of a goofier side because there's, like, aliens and stuff. Yeah, a bit more goofy. And also, like, due to dialogue and their interaction stuff, it makes it a lot more fun and entertaining. Mm. Like, I think some of my favorite characters are actually, like, the the secret agents. I forget what they're called. No, they're not S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what are they called? I forget their name. Um, 
because they have their own task force name. Yeah. Is it Task Force X? No, it's not X. No. Yeah. Basically, anyone who works under Amanda Waller, the Suicide Squad Task Force, mm-hmm. um, part of them have coined, like joined him. And it's, so it's basically humans, a guy wearing a super, uh, a kick-ass suit that's also human, and then a slightly super-powered guy. And yep. they all have to go and fight aliens and whatnot. I don't know. That's that's why I love it so much is it's like that mixture of corny but still entertaining and it brings it a bit more down to earth. Yeah, definitely. And I like the element of it because it's fun to watch, you know, superhero films with people with powers all day, but definitely that kind of gets old after a while and Kick-Ass at the time was very popular because uh, it was kind of the I don't know if it was the first, but it was one that was a raunchier side. It was a rated R movie, but also these characters were, they were strong and they trained themselves to fight people, but they didn't have any powers and they had some weapons, but not really much. It was like a bow staff and that's it. And they're going up against other kind of normal people, but there was kind of like ridiculous things would happen. Um, and the movie was not taking itself too like it, it didn't go uh, too, serious. too serious yeah and that's kind of what this does i mean adding in aliens and stuff helps it so it doesn't take itself too serious but it still is enjoyable and it seems like at least everyone in the show is having fun because oh I, yeah i don't see a like a frown on anyone's face unless they're acting for the frown yeah so yeah that's that's my biggest thing why i like it yeah definitely looks like everyone's having a blast making it and that kind of helps yeah. and um you know i think it's a good new direction uh, people had kind of broodier side, the Snyderverse, which was, uh, you know, shot very nicely, but everyone looked kind of miserable, probably on purpose, but maybe, I don't know. No, I think they partially were miserable. <laughs> yeah, but it took itself way too serious. And, you know, that works as a, kind of a different alternative to the Marvel movies, but also this works as a different alternative to the Marvel movies because, uh Marvel gave James Gunn his freedom to make the Guardians of the Galaxy, but they would never allow him to make Guardians of the Galaxy rated R. DC allowed him to do that with Suicide Squad, and they gave him complete freedom to make Peacemaker, however crazy it is. Uh, Reading more about it, because I find the show very fascinating, um, and the director is very active on Instagram. Apparently, the only thing DC really protested out of the whole show, and there's a lot of weird stuff that happened, or I don't want to say weird, but just raunchier stuff. Yeah. Uh, Peacemaker and Vigilante have a threesome, and uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, and the main, and also he talks about how uh, Aquaman likes to go into like uh, Sea World and have sex with dolphins and oh. sea bass and stuff like that. Yeah, apparently the only thing DC kind of protested was. You might not have seen it. It might have been the fourth episode. But basically, he calls Batman a pussy <laughs> because he is uh, – there's, like, this old neighbor guy, and he's like, who is your superhero coven? I don't have any. Well, every good superhero has a legion of that bad guys. And he's like, you know where my guys are? They're six feet under because unlike Batman, I'm not a fucking pussy to finish the job. And I do um, remember that scene, yeah. Apparently, that was the only thing that uh, – DC really protested. <laughs> Which I don't understand why, because that's what his character would do. Like, yeah. this guy clearly thinks he's better than Batman and any other, even though yeah. he may or may not be. That's yet to be determined. But he just, like, he thinks of himself in this higher manner. Yeah, he does. He's the protector, the hero of justice, the all-American man. Mm. Um, and that's just how he is. Like, he would be the guy to call Batman a pussy, probably to his face. 
Um, and also probably call him a hypocrite because Batman kills people too, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I maybe can I understand where they're coming from, but not really because like, that's just the character. They wrote the character that way in the comics. That's what he would do. No, definitely. And I think it's just cause he's attacking their alter boy, Batman maybe, but overall, Good on them for giving him mostly complete freedom, but even freedom over that because even though they protest a little bit, it's in the final product, yeah. And it's actually, once you see it, it's a good scene, um, okay. So, we're gonna do this for another 10 or 15 more minutes. So, I don't think there's anything else that we've been watching, so let's just go quickly over some other things that me and you have been watching individually, okay. Uh, so I've been watching a well, basically, so I resubscribed to Motor Trends, so I got I've been trying to catch up on all that crap, so I've been watching Roadkill which is a really awesome show where basically two guys go around America and they buy, they try to buy a muscle car and road trip it somewhere. They always have a destination. A lot of time it's back to California where they live or where their production studio is, but they'll just buy the weirdest, craziest car that they can. And generally it's older muscle cars because these guys used to be editors of a hot rod magazine. Mm. And a lot of the times they break down and they either have to fix the car or get towed or spend the night sleeping in the car because it broke down the side of the road. So they don't buy like new cars. They buy only stuff that's been cheap, cheap. really mostly unreliable because a lot of it's like something somebody built in their shed. So they just, so if somebody had an old muscle car that they just dropped a, a crate engine in or not even a crate engine, but a junkyard engine in, they'd buy that car and try to road trip it across America untested. Huh? And it doesn't always work out, but it's a lot of fun to watch. So do if they if their car breaks down, do they have to fix it to finish the trip or do they just buy a new car? Uh they never buy a new car. So that they have got to the point where they've just junked them before. Like if the car like completely dies or if they don't want to fix it, they'll just send it on a tow truck and send its way and get an airplane back home. But a lot of times they will try to make it to their destination and they will try to keep the car going for as long as possible. So they'll okay get in the camera crew van that's following them and run to the parts store and then go back to the car and try to fix it on the side of the interstate. Oh, I see. Makes sense. Huh? Yeah. That seems kind of interesting premise. And was it like two main characters? Primarily two. Sometimes it's just one of them uh, for a couple episodes because of like COVID and stuff. They couldn't always be together or in the same vehicle, but a lot of times it's the two of them together and they're pretty good friends. Um, So they, they have some good banter and they don't always get along, but for the most part, they're pretty good. Oh, interesting. And they're American? Yeah, it's it's all based in America, I believe. I don't think there's... Well, one episode in Alaska, which is America, but they had to drive through Canada. Ah, makes sense, yeah. Um, So there's that. Uh, another one on Motor Trend that I've been watching is Dirt Every Day. And it's kind of the same premise, except for it's with four-wheel drive trucks and dirt bikes and uh, four-wheelers and stuff. And basically, they buy something cheap or they go out and buy a project and then they spend money fixing it and building it into the ultimate off-road vehicle. And then they road trip it somewhere or they tow it to a, a big off-road park and try to off-road it for hours on end without breaking it. Huh. And they'll do that with like a dirt bike too. Yeah, they've gone, they've said they've taken mini bikes, lawn mowers, three wheelers, uh, one. A uh, three wheeler. Do- that's like a, just like a normal motorcycle, but with a extra wheel. So it's at, so these are actually like dirt bikes. So it's like, huh. it's got a dirt bike front end, but then it's got two wheels on the back, like a four wheeler. So if you took a four wheeler and a dirt bike and combined them into one vehicle, they were only made in huh. the 1970s and they were sold or they were told to be the most extremely dangerous vehicle on the road. And most people would never get insurance for them because of so many people got hurt or died using them. Why? Because they were just unstable because of the one front wheel. 
Because yeah. like a dirt bike, it's unstable, but you know it's unstable because it's only got the two wheels. So you have to keep your balance. Yep. With having three, you don't have to keep your balance. But because you only have that one front tire, if you go over like a rock the wrong way, it tips over and it crashes. Oh, okay. So they've done it with that. Um, I think they, they did it with a doom buggy. They road tripped a doom buggy and tried to go off-roading with it, which ended well. Huh. It broke down a lot Yeah, because it wasn't the most reliable. Um, but yeah, and so that's another show I've been cutting up and I love to pieces and I love the, the two, it's another two guys. Originally it was just, uh, the one editor of four, four wheel and off-road magazine who did it by himself. But then they got, I think it was third or fourth season. They got a second guy to kind of join him. So he was a bit more like the roadkill mm. show and, but they're again, good friends, good banter and it's, it's good laughs and a lot of fun. Makes sense. And they build some amazing vehicles if you like off-road, four-by-four, four-wheeling yeah. vehicles. Oh, that's cool. And a lot of them are kind of like uh, kind of home-brewed kind of. Some of them are. Uh, some of them are like, again, projects that other people started. So they'll go out and buy like a four-by-four truck that some guy spent, I don't know, $10,000 building. And they'll buy it for 5000 and then spend another 10000 trying to make it work. Um, sometimes it's like their own creation. So they'll take a car, like a, like your car, like your Ford, um, sedan, and they'll try to put that on truck axles with big off-road tires and try to four wheel with that. And it doesn't always work, but it's their own creation. It's their own invention. They can do what they want. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, other things I've been watching recently, I saw a movie that I really, really loved called deep cover, which also just uh, left HBO, unfortunately, and deep cover. I feel like is the closest inspiration for the grand theft auto series that they may have took from. Um, and so if you're a fan of that stylization, especially of the newest uh, Grand Theft Auto, um, you'll probably like this movie. So Deep covers a movie where Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix, uh, he plays someone whose father uh, was killed by a cop because he was uh, high on drugs. He went to try to rob a liquor store and was shot by, maybe it wasn't by a cop, maybe it was by the store owner. But he basically told his kid never to get into drugs or anything like that. And he grows up, he becomes a cop, and he takes a job where he has to go deep undercover. And he is trying to take down organized crime. It's uh, I think it was during the 80s, so cocaine was a huge thing at that time. Yep. And he goes in as an undercover cop for a long period of time. And he becomes a drug dealer, which was something he never wanted to do. But for the benefit of catching these guys, because there's a bunch of like head dudes that they're trying to take down, he takes a job. A drug dealer or like a drug user? Like a drug user? He's a drug dealer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's a drug dealer who never partakes until later on he starts getting corrupted and he starts using. Okay. So it kind of shows his downfall a little bit. Kind of, yeah. And he... Not only towards the end he starts uh, getting addicted to drugs a little bit, but also he starts taking part of the drug dealer lifestyle. He rises very quickly in the organization for being very smart, and he starts, like, blowing his money on, like, you know, fancy cars and huge, beautiful apartments and whatnot. Diamond rings and whatnot, yeah. Yep. And also, Jeff Goldblum is in it, which is very fun. Ooh. A very young Jeff Goldblum plays another, like, captain of the organized crime unit, and him and Lawrence Fishburne eventually become friends uh, until a drug deal goes wrong, and they owe, like, a million and a half. No, I think it's almost $2 million to a crime boss in a week. They can't get it, so they have to kill him. And they do so which does knock off one guy to totem pole, but now everyone's gunning for them. 
Because they took out one of the bosses. Yeah. Ooh. And that's tough. And, yeah. And so does he kind of completely forsake the cops? Like, does he not give them information anymore at some point? He does, but he starts leaning away from the cops because he thought he was doing the best thing possible. And he still is, but he learns that the cops are protecting certain people that are higher up. Like, the highest person on totem pole is, like, a senator of the state. <laughs> And that's the one person the cops will not go after. They say he's too big, so we're just going to let him do his thing. We'll take out all the drug dealers and whatnot. We're not going to go that high. So he eventually finds out that even the cops are corrupted. Yeah. And that kind of makes him feel like shit because he thought he was doing a good thing. Um, Which, I mean, it is a good thing to take drug dealers off the street. But if you can't take out the top dog, that top dog can just hire more people to steal drugs for him. So it's like a never-ending cycle. Yeah. You either cut it off at the base or just keeps growing. And going off the kind of, like I said, the inspiration for Grand Theft Auto, what makes it really cool is that there's a lot of like bright neon color lighting that's used and there's lyrical dialogue. Um, It's almost like, I don't want to say freestyle rap, but there's a lot of points where characters, the main character of our characters, their speech is like rhyming. Oh, and it's almost like soft, I don't want to say softcore rap, but it's rhyming dialogue and it's very, very pleasing to listen to. Um, And just the music is incredible. It's the kind of music that like, it kind of puts you in that nostalgia of like early or even current Grand Theft Auto series of like either eighties music or early nineties rap or rock and roll. Uh, Not really rock and roll. It's mostly like uh, pop and rap. Yeah. And it's just like a whole aesthetic, the whole movie. And it's got a good story to it, but the aesthetics of it too, with its lyrical dialogue, uh, the music, and the lighting is incredible. It's probably one of my uh, the best movies I've seen recently. All right. It sounds good. But it's no longer on HBO, so you got to go find it's it. It's not, yeah. Deep okay. cover. I might eventually get it. I think it went on the Criterion channel, so they have its own new Blu-ray for it, so I might get that at some point. But I don't know where else it might be. Okay. Uh, so what else have you been checking out recently? Oh, last thing I can think of is going to be uh, Ray of the Last Dragon. I finally watched that. Oh, yeah, because now it's probably free on Disney. It is. Yep. And that was actually really good. Um, It's a very different art animation style from what I've seen, even from Disney, because they do. They've been doing they've been changing a lot with uh, Moana and uh, I forget the last one that we watched. Encanto. Encanto. So they've changed their style a lot from what I remember as a kid of Disney. Sure. Animation zoos. Uh, It was very different, but it was very good. And it told kind of this story of basically a girl following her along and her whole world changes. It all collapses. It's like an uh, apocalyptic event where everyone gets essentially frozen in time, but as stones. Okay. So they're all, they look like stone statues and they can't see or they can't speak. They, they're cognitive. They know what's going around them. They can hear the birds chirping, but they can't interact with the environment because they're a stone statue. They can't move. Hmm. And her goal is to basically find what everyone calls the last dragon to reverse this curse. And we follow her along her journey to find the dragon. And then her and the dragon's journey to find a way to resurrect these people or make them into people again and reverse the curse of the statue. Okay. And they have to fight off. It's kind of like a, I think it was like, you showed me like a breath of the wild where they had that red magical element to it. I forget what it was called. Yeah. But they have a similar thing in it, but it's purple glow and it's like a dark cloud. And that's their, the, the 
this dark black cloud mist is what's causing people to turn to stone. So they have to fight that. And the only way they can fight it is using dragon's magic. Okay, I see. And this is ancient China, right? Or not? Uh, it's like, it's a fantasy. Okay. But I think it's based in, in Asian uh, mythology. Okay, makes sense. And this is not like in Canto Moana, that's a musical, right? Not particular. I don't, no, I don't remember any music being okay. in it. Okay. So cool. yeah, I think it was more just storytelling. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. Oh, for people that like that, of course, yeah. yeah. Which I kind of... Uh, the musicals they've been putting out recently, Kanto and Moana, have really good uh, soundtracks and whatnot. But sometimes when the music overtakes a story, the story is weak because yeah. it's kind of being supported and lifted up by different musical, um, you know, scores and um, I, sections. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen this a lot with their recent ones. Like certain songs just kind of fit um, mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, Moana, for example, the uh, the one where she meets the rock character. And they have that little kind of sing along on the beach or whatever. Yeah. That was fine. But then they go to shiny, oh, which yeah. <laughs> takes over the scene and you, I don't even pay attention to what's going on around it. Like, uh, the, the rock character, I forget his name and the, the big crab guy are having a fight. Like they're literally just like duking it out. But I don't even notice that because I'm just paying too much attention to the song shiny. Cause it's like overpowering. Yeah, definitely. So there's certain, certain times they do that. This doesn't have that issue. Cause I, Again, I don't even remember if there was a song at all. And Encanto is kind of the same way the the donkey one. Yeah. That was very much, it was the song was the star and whatever was going on in the background was just extra. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree with that. Sometimes, yeah. I don't want to say it derails, but definitely the song is put on a different pedestal than the story. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you kind of wonder if the story is just following certain beats just to get to the next song. Or if the songs are there to enhance yeah. the story. Yeah, which, again, some of them feel in, enhancing. Uh, What was the one we don't talk about? Boba? No, uh, Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno. But that, like, that one kind of fits the storyline and the visuals and all that. And it kind of just enhances the story as mm. where some songs, like, again, the, the strong one or whatever it was, or I don't feel strong enough. Like, that's just the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hola. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. But Ray of the Last Dragon, because it's not musical, doesn't have that issue. So it could just mostly focus just on the storytelling. Yeah, which it's pretty good. Like, again, for Disney, it, it's pretty good. Okay, good. Uh, and I think my last one is going to be Red Rocket, which is a movie that's out in theaters that me and Leah got to check out uh, recently. And, yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, it's kind of interesting that... Definitely a different premise. It takes place in Texas with mostly like it's like in poorer sections of Texas. And it's an ex-porn star who returns back home to where his it's his wife. but It's really kind of his ex-wife. They haven't been divorced yet, but he hasn't seen her in like six years or something when he went off to go do and become a big uh, porn star. And now he's back here. Uh, he really has like no money to his name, so he says that he will uh, contribute rent, and he lives with his ex-wife and her mother in their kind of small Texas. It's it's it might be a double wide trailer. It's not super big. Yeah. Um, and no one will hire him because he hasn't worked in like a dozen years because the porn business was off the record, so he doesn't really have much of a film resume. Hey, really? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do that, but yeah, you got to pay taxes, so that would kind of suck. 
yeah. not being on the like not be on a payroll pay schedule. Yeah, I'm not but sure. But I guess how it works. they're different gigs by different people, so I guess it would be hard to keep track of. And he does eventually tell them people like what he does, but uh, people he just laugh it off or just like I don't want someone that was in that business representing our restaurant or whatever. It's a whole thing, like what you, you hire people like I mean a lot of people it seems like have OnlyFans accounts now. When people yeah. hire them knowing this full well, or maybe not even knowing it, but it's out there, it's on the internet, you can find it. But they hire them and it's kind of no different to like a porn actor, a porn ex porn actor, or porn actress. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't get why people would have an issue with it, but that, again, I guess yeah. maybe the movie dives into that. It does. It's part of it is because it's uh, Texas and they're more, you know, conservative, uh, whatnot, but you do kind of feel bad for him. Cause like he wants to work and he's charismatic and he probably would do pretty decent. He's not going for like big jobs or anything. It's mostly just like jobs at restaurants or like gun stores or something. Some of that probably doesn't even pay super well, but no one wants to hire him because of that, which kind of sucks. So then he resorts to, cause he needs money somehow. He sells drugs off the streets. Oh, so uh, he sells, I think, I think he just sells like weed oh, off yeah, the street. Fine. Yeah. And I mean, it's Texas, but that's still fine. Yeah. So it's not legal yet, but like no one really comes down hard on him. Yeah. Uh, but kind of like the, the meat to the story comes around kind of a semi-controversial, but not so also at the same time storyline where, uh, and he's kind of seen to be kind of a scumbag. Uh, he's very charismatic or whatnot, but he kind of like manipulates everyone around him. Uh, he meets someone next door who's kind of like uh, kind of a skinny uh, meth dude. And he kind of convinces them that they're friends just because his friend has a cool car and he drives him around. Uh, he kind of manipulates his ex-wife and um, they're still like now banging, uh, but he doesn't really pay much of rent. Um but he meets a girl called Strawberry at a donut store and because she's younger than him. And that kind of controversy of the scene for some people, some people kind of see what it is. But she's 17. She's not 18 yet. Uh, but the thing is, technically, she's illegal because in Texas, it's 17 because, of course, Texas would be. Um, but she's definitely younger than him. I think he's like, he's got to be in his like mid to late thirties. He's definitely older than her. Like probably maybe almost double her age, but he's charismatic and suave and he kind of wins her heart. Um, but kind of like where his scumbagness comes in besides already dating what is for some, a lot of States, a minor is that she kind of sees them as kind of a couple Oh. He is trying to his he wants to get out of Texas. He just hates this place. He's trying to turn her into the next big porn star and take her to California. So that's kind of like where the meat of the story comes in. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting story um to it. And definitely at the end he gets his uh comeuppance. Uh he screwed over people one too many times. And at the end of the movie, uh this movie is kind of What's weird is kind of a weird story kind of here, but held together by this one song. They got the rights to Bye 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 by NSYNC. Oh, you know, Bye Bye Bye. Yep. It plays at the beginning of the movie when he's coming to Texas. And uh, the girl Strawberry, when she's showing him that she has talents, that she can play the piano and whatnot, she's singing her own instrumental version, or I guess it would be acapella, an acapella version of Bye Bye Bye. Yep. The end of the movie, not the very end, but basically the end of the movie ends with... Uh, the drug dealers 
taking all the money that he has, kicking him out of his ex-wife house because she found out about him and this girl, Strawberry, and now he wants to move back to California. And they take everything, including his clothes, and he's just running through the streets naked, holding his junk while the song Bye 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 plays. Uh, so that's definitely a humorous scene. But yeah, definitely interesting premise, uh, but it was executed pretty well, and yeah, it was a very fun movie. So it sounds like somebody just told their life story from texas kind of yeah huh maybe i'm not sure it's interesting um i I do find the whole trying to get the girl to move to california just to be a porn actress thing kind of weird but yeah maybe it fits with the story well yeah it fits the story because he's a scumbag and she is going with him because he's going to take her away and they're going to start in california she's also unhappy living in texas whatnot yeah yeah but she doesn't know that he's well sort of like he's like slowly trying to groom her into it like like with her phone he like records them having sex and she's okay with that but she doesn't know that he's really grooming her to be a porn star in the end uh he gets what's coming to him and he doesn't get really what he wants yeah. Uh, so, you know, it kind of works out, but yeah, that is our final recommendation of the week. And let's get into our final segments of comic book of the week. And maybe we'll have time for game of the week. So this is my comic book of the week called the wake. And it is a limited, uh, I think it'll be called limited run. Uh, it's basically just this book and that's it. They're not gonna make a sequel or anything like that. Uh, told this whole story right here. Limited series. That's what it's called. Um, it won best limited series and it is very close to underwater. So it's interesting that there's two main stories. So the first half of it is underwater divers, uh, people basically establishing a base underwater. They take um, a submarine, they go deep underwater, they find like a base, they try to take it over and kind of learn from it. And they have like, uh, they have the computer person, they have like a bounty hunter who's good at killing large fish. And basically their story ends with them finding what is called the mer, the merfolk. Basically, very close to the creatures from underwater, but basically uh, the bottom half of them look kind of like a mermaid with their long, like, fish tail, but the upper half is kind of like reptilian, sort of. Oh, okay. And there's a bunch of them, and they just, if they can get into the base, if the water is able to break in, they're able to get in, they just turn the waters red by just killing everyone. You got sharp teeth, and they're they're not humanoid at all. Yeah. Plus, and, it's their home that these exactly. invaders are taking over. Yeah, it's deep, deep underwater, and that's kind of the same premise with the underwater story, but they kind of are killed. And then the second half of the story is very interesting. jumps at least, like, 100 years into the future, and people, the world has been overrun by water. So I forget what happened, but it was, like, the merfolk, they uh, were found a way to, like, melt the Antarctic, and, like, all the, um, the ice turned into extra water and just kind of, like, took out the land and most of the world has been killed off. Everyone that did survive found a way to get to the surface. So people are now living either in boats, airplanes, or having some kind of, uh, uh, kind of like almost like Mad Max, but on water world sort of, uh, and the new main character, she lives like in a, I think it's like a airplane that like landed into a very tall tree and she's kind of stuck up there. She made a home in this, like, broken-down old, like, Navy ship. Or, no, he's not. Air Force ship. Yeah. And she kind of lives up there. And the world is kind of, like, Mad Max-like, where people mostly uh, engage with uh, bartering and trading. Yeah. 
and she has a pet dolphin that she rides on and she earns money by riding him and he uses sonar his her dolphin to find merfolk and she kills him gets her heads and sell him back at the mainland oh oh well one way to make money i guess yeah and kind of the story goes from there but there is like Kind of like underwater, there's a Leviathan, like, huge merfolk that turns out to be actually an underwater ship for a different, uh, like, uh, sect of people. And then there's, like, people that live in the sky that are trying to take over everything. Um, but there's, like, a lot of different, like, cultures and different sects of people that are kind of clashing against each other. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's the wake, and, yeah, it's pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um... And I guess for game of the week, I'm trying to think of anything special we've been, uh, we or I've been playing recently. We did just start Gang Beast, which was kind of fun. That was pretty fun. I guess we can talk about that. So yeah, Gang Beast is kind of a party game, and uh, you kind of play as people who are just trying to, you know, kill each other. <laughs> Essentially, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can only use a hand-to-hand combat-ish. Mm. Like you can basically punch and kick and pick people up. There's no like weapons, and sure. you can't do any like mixed martial arts or whatever like normal fighting games. And your whole goal is either to find a way to simply kill the person or basically try to throw them off a really high place, which they fall to their death, essentially. Mm. Whether yeah. it be a hot air balloon or a skyscraper or whatever it is. Yep. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was like, it's challenging because, again, no weapons, no nothing. So it's literally you just either pick people up or you punch them and knock them out. And they kind of, they don't move like humans. They kind of move like rag dolls. Yeah, they're very floppy and flimsy. Yeah. So, like, moving around is kind of difficult. And they're generally on very smallish platforms. And you're yep. trying to navigate that while not being able to control very well. It's it's interesting. It's definitely a challenge. We only did it with two people at a time because we only had two controllers. Mm. But I think with like four, three or four people, it'd be a lot of fun. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I just like when you can like headbutt people and like they hit the ground and you try to pick them up and like throw them into like a conveyor belt or into yeah. like a grinder or something. Yeah, some of the deaths are what would be gruesome, but essentially they're like little jelly dolls, so they're yeah not bad. Um, but yeah, they're kind of entertaining. Yeah, a pretty fun game, a uh, bunch of different levels, and it's definitely kind of like a party game, yeah. not a story to it or anything. It's just kind of beat each other up and throwing people off buildings. But the way of kind of like how floppy and slow they are, uh, it makes it kind of funny. Or it is actually very funny. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's essentially if you were like a kind of like a like a gummy bear attacking, kind of, like yeah. a, a sentient gummy bear attacking people. It, yeah, it is other quite gummy routine. bears, yeah. Yeah, so that's a fun game. Uh, yeah, that's a good recommendation of the week for our game of the week. It's on Xbox Game Pass right now, and I think it just came out on the Switch, too, I think a month or two ago. Also probably on PlayStation. It's probably on PlayStation now, too. Uh, I think the first time I played it was on PlayStation when I was in college, yeah. and that, they had multiple controllers, so we were playing with, like, four people, and that was really fun. Uh, right now, we just, I like, got two controllers, because, Jesus Christ, controllers are so expensive. I think it was... It's, it's weird because you think there'd be more out there because now everyone has the Xbox Series X or whatever. Yep. And we, we've we got the, the one. So you think there'd be more like one controllers and relatively cheap, but they just aren't. It's like they're I none. got it used for $35. I wonder if everyone just like threw theirs and smashed theirs so that they don't have any anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe. My buddy's notorious for that. He's got a PlayStation and he's broken like five of his controllers because every time he gets really? mad, he just hucks it. Jeez, that's expensive. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Jesus. And the Switch controllers are even worse. They're just tiny Joy-Cons are like 35 each, but they're small, tiny, and usually have to buy both of them. So that's $70 to get two. It's Wait, ridiculous. they don't come in pairs? 
No, they do come in pairs, but oh. you have to buy them the price of two, so that's $70. Or you can sometimes buy individual, but it's just like even a left or right one, and they're 35 each. For that tiny? Yeah. So not the pair's not 35 It's No. Oh, damn. I know, right? That's Expensive. stupid. Expensive. That is stupid. Now, yeah, like games I can kind of see being like $60 or so because some like they spend years uh, working on and there's like, you know, huge open worlds. But like a small Joy-Con shouldn't be $35. No. No. And like the Xbox controllers, buying one for 35 used is also expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not even the new controllers. It's no. not the X controllers. It's the, the one controllers or the 360 controllers are still $35 a piece. Yeah. it's That's ridiculous. Definitely rip off. Uh, but yeah, that was our episode of Trash Talk Podcast uh, talking about movies and TV shows we've been watching in January. Uh, probably the next thing we'll be talking about is probably do an episode on a season one review of Peacemaker and Boba Fett once those end in like three weeks. Or we might review something else that might be in theater soon. I don't remember if Morbius Living Vampire is supposed to come out soon or what's the next kind of big movie that's supposed to be out. I don't know, to be honest. I guess I could probably look that up. Oh, uh, no, that's coming out in March. Uh, the Batman is coming out uh, March uh, 4th, I want to say. Oh, okay. New movies. Uh, what's coming out soon? Uh, no, nothing does not look good. There's a new Ice Age movie? That's stupid. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Like, I mean, the Ice Age for them ended a long time ago, so I don't know what the hell they're doing now. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Tom Holland's Uncharted is coming out, I think, in late February. So I did I'm not going to see that. Actually, I saw a teaser for that. And again, it is, they're not really good for the characters, but the banter between them was kind of good. Oh, of uh, Mark Wahlberg, Tom and, Holland? Yeah. I don't think I've seen a trailer for it. I might have to check it out. It actually looked okay. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, besides that, doesn't look like a ton is coming out. And also, it's like between Uncharted or like big superhero big budget movie so like i don't know, I might just see uncharted yeah no that's fair there's like really nothing coming out jeez um all tv shows and movies coming in february uh this is only stuff that is coming on netflix that is there nothing coming out soon oh this is a movie i was kind of interested in seeing uh, the black phone which is a horror movie okay Okay, never mind. It got delayed. That sucks. <laughs> well, almost there. Almost there. All right. Well, we'll be reviewing something in a couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, remember that Being Impressive Podcast episodes come out every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And we usually have some kind of episode Friday mornings at 10 a.m., uh, like Trash Talk Podcast episodes or review episodes or uh, solo role-playing game actual interviews. plays, interviews, stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, multiple episodes a week. Uh at least one or most often two. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, let us know if you enjoyed this episode and we'll hear from you next time on the Beard and Pretzel podcast or Trash Talk podcast.